This week on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture, Father John Schmeidler talks about taking courage to experience life. A native of Hayes, Father John is a 1983 graduate of Thomas More Prep Marion High School. After three years of college, Father John took a year off to discern a religious vocation. He professed vows with the Capuchins in 1990 and was ordained in 1997. In August of 2013, Father John was assigned as pastor of what is now known as the Basilica of St. Fidelis. He is also the pastor of St. Anne and Walker and St. Boniface in Vincent, as well as being the administrator of Holy Cross Shrine in Pfeiffer. Father John is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Ken Billinger. Father John begins by talking about experiencing life in its fullness. Experiencing life to the fullest extent God intended or have I limited it? And if I'm limiting it by my boundaries and limitations, is there a way I can expand that to make it bigger? You know, as I, as I think about this whole question and um, it's things, uh, an example that I would uh, just came to mind of how sometimes I predetermine life or I predetermine an experience of life. I was just thinking about, you know, when I, growing up, one of the a phrase is that we'd always hear, crying is for sissies. <laughs> you know, if you would cry, you're a sissy. You know, you always hear that phrase. And that statement of growing up would make you begin to think, well, now I can't cry. In a way, it's, as we're looking at this, people are saying to me, you cannot cry in any situation in life. And therefore, now every experience when I would want to cry, and crying is actually good for the human person. It helps to clear us all out. I mean, it, it, it lets go of anger. It lets go of bitterness. It's a way of releasing. Crying tears is like um, releasing the inner portions of our minds and hearts. But now I have to set up a system of where I have to protect myself from doing this. And most of the times what um, crying does in our culture, we don't like it because it you know, it makes us feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. We feel vulnerable. We feel weak. We feel, in a sense, that there's something wrong with us if we, if we have to cry. And so with that aspect, that thought, in a sense, that we've placed in our head, we have already limited ourselves in life in encountering things where crying might be the best solution. And so then we're going to set up a system, and we'll never do that. And does this then limit other experiences of life where I have to, in a sense, not be vulnerable, not be weak, not show those shortcomings. I'll just give you another thought that just comes to mind that just to help us to think about what I'm talking about in this process of how free are we. I'm better than others might be a thought that we put up in our system. I am better than others. When we do that, when we have that thought in our system and in our mind, it's already going to be predetermined the way we approach people and having encounters and experiences of people. If I say, always say, I'm better than others, I'm always looking down upon others. I'm always judging others. I'm always judging myself as better than. And that really predetermines every experience I have when I encounter other people. Or it might be that people, you know, another phrase I've always, people will always take advantage of you. Well, if you really believe that and thought that and had that in your system, you're never going to trust people. And so you've already predetermined the experience that you're going to have with people according to what your thoughts are and the feelings are and the behaviors that you do around that action. And so when I look at life many times, a lot of these phrases that we come up with and a lot of these 
um, manners that we, we bring in, such as like when you cry, you're a sissy. These are more examples of us setting up a system so that we can feel comfortable in our own self, which then limits everything else around it. And a society sometimes gives us those things as well as our own self. And so what we do is we set up a discipline, a structure, a system of thought with all of these things that are going on in our minds and hearts within even a society that then in a sense will not allow us to live life in its vulnerableness and its weaknesses and its shortcomings, or even just live life in its richness and its beauty and all the good things that are there. And so if we're going to think about that, that theme that we're talking about, take courage to experience life in all its moments, kind of the real discussion behind that is what system have I set up in my own mental mind that then does not allow me, in a sense, to live life fully in a manner that could be? So just to, so as I'm thinking about it, in the, the way I'm thinking about it, usually when you take courage, steadfast comes with that. Take courage, steadfast. Take courage within the anxieties and the worries and concerns of your life to live life more fully in the richness of what it can be. So it has to be what are those weaknesses and shortcomings that, were, that come upon us as we're doing these things. In your overview, Father, you begin by asking that question, how free are we? And have we already predetermined our experiences before they happen? You've talked a little bit about that, but and and setting the boundaries and limits to our experiences. So speak more about uh, these questions, if you would. Yeah, you know, when I was thinking, what we're doing ultimately is I'm, in my mind as I have been thinking about this topic was we're setting up a system of how we feel and how we operate in life itself. And so think about um, our experiences as having a operating out of a system of thought, feelings, and behaviors. And so uh, we're thinking in those terms. Um, so when we're, if we're looking at it that, in that phrase, before I go any more deeper into that, uh, talking about taking courage and being steadfast, I want to talk about a prayer, uh, a prayer that I prayed when I was um, in formation. It's a prayer of Fran St. Francis, a prayer which prayer, um, he prayed before the, the um, crucifix. Um, the San Damiano Crucifix. And the reason I want to use this prayer is it'll come through the themes of everything that I'm talking about, how prayer is very essential within this system, in a sense, to help us to move beyond that to encounter life in its, in its fullness. And the prayer is this, Most High, Glorious God, enlighten the darkness of my heart. Give me, Lord, right faith, certain hope, perfect charity, sense and knowledge, so that I may carry out your true and holy command or your true and holy will. That prayer, prayer, what it's supposed to do is put us back in the disposition of who God is and in the presence of God and in a willingness to give ourselves over to God and a lifting ourselves over to God. And so I think if we're in some type of system where in a sense, are we really free? Are we not free? If we're in a system that's locked within itself, within the boundaries and limitations, the only way we're ever going to break out of that system is something has to move us beyond that, and it's our willingness, in a sense, to allow God's presence within there to expand that. And that's kind of what I talk about, the freedom and, and expanding and moving beyond it and possibly changing some of those things. And one of the images I want to use um, to help us to move in that direction or to kind of keep understanding this is Moses before the promised land. 
It's the Israelites going into the promised land. Because it would be kind of saying, if we're locked into some system, is there a promised land beyond this of which we can go into? Is there a new experience we can have that we don't even know that we can have? What's this new promised land? So I'm going to kind of make a parallel between Mm -hmm. those two things. And another image to keep in mind are New Year resolutions. How do New Year's resolutions fit into this? Every year we come up to the new year and we always say, I'm going to do this and this and this and this this new year. So we make all these resolutions and then they last for a month at most or maybe even a day and then we're through with them. They don't work. These resolutions don't work. Well, usually when we make a resolution, it's probably good stuff for we know this is good for me. I know that this is what I want. This is what I want it to be. And this is what I want to become. The problem with New Year's resolutions is we've never incorporated them within the system of thought that we've had, which means sometimes to make this New Year resolution, we have to change a way of thinking, a way of feeling, a way of behavior ourselves in order for this new behavior to incorporate itself into what I'm doing. And we want to incorporate this new thought in there because it's going to expand us and help life to be more full and rich and to free us, in a sense, from the system that we have into a new system which we think is better. And so that's kind of that whole aspect of um, taking courage and experience life in this moment. We want a new experience of life that we know is more full, more rich. So that's kind of the promised land. So let me read about the promised land here. I'll read you this scripture real fast. No, you're and fine. It, We've got plenty of time. For okay. <laughs> and, it comes from, and it comes from Numbers. The Lord said to Moses, send men to reconnoitre the land of Cana, which I am giving the Israelites. You shall send one man from each ancestral tribe, everyone a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran at the direction of the Lord. All of them were leaders among the Israelites. And sending them to reconnoitre the land of Canaan, Moses said to them, a reconnoitre, I should say, go up there in the Negeb, up in the highlands, and see what kind of land it is, and whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. Is the country in which they live good or bad? Are the towns in which they dwell open or fortified? Is the soil fertile or barren, wooded or clear? Do your best to get some of the fruit of the land. It was then the season for early grapes. So they went up and reconnoitered the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as where Rehob adjoins Labo Hamath. They returned from reconnoitering the land 40 days later. So they go in. This is kind of like our New Year's resolutions. we got to go in and see and open up the possibilities of what this is going to be. So they're looking at a new way of approaching life. What will it be? Here we are in the desert. If we go into this place here, what's that going to be like? And sometimes, you know, if we're going to make a movement in our own lives. You have to know where you're going. You have to see it. You have to have a scope and a vision of where you're moving towards. So that's what they're doing. And they went into this land. And then they have to come back and reassess it from what they know, everything of what they've experienced in the past. So proceeding directly to Moses after they went in there, Aaron and the whole community of the Israelites in the wilderness of Paran Kadesh, they made a report to them and the whole community. So now they're reassessing all of this stuff. What do we want to do? Do we like our system? Do we want to move into a new system? They told Moses, we came to the land to which you sent us. It does indeed flow with milk and honey, and here is its fruit. However, the people who are living in the land are powerful, and the towns are fortified and very large. And besides, we seemed 
as were their descendants of the Anakim there, and Amalekites live in the region of the Negev, Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites dwell in the highlands, and Canaanites along the sea and the banks of the Jordan. And so what they're doing is kind of giving a bad saying, you know, yeah, that's great. This is a wonderful place. But look at all these things. These people we're going to have to fight. This is going to be really difficult. Do we really, I don't think we really want to do And they're, they're starting to grumble about all this stuff. You know, what do we even think about going into that? And Caleb's recognizing all this. Only Caleb says, you know, in trying to quiet down, he quiets down the people of Moses and says, we ought to go up and seize the land for we certainly can prevail over it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we cannot attack these people. They are too strong for us. And here's the great line. They spread discouraging reports. So, and so there's two thoughts that could have happened in this whole moment to change the whole disposition of what's happening in Israel in this moment. Here's the promised land. God said, this is all yours. Take it. And all you got to do is go into it. And all of a sudden, they recognized and all the fears and anxieties and the worries and concerns and all those other things. And the people got scared and they wouldn't take courage and be steadfast to move into the promised land. We're staying. We're going to be, in a sense, take courage and steadfast and stay where we're at. So you can almost take that in the wrong term. Mm-hmm. Take courage and be steadfast can be a, a sword, you know, that takes us forward or a sword right. that cuts us to keep us where we're at. Yeah. And so they spread discouraging words and then they don't go in. They don't go into the promised land. You know, just as we think about these thoughts with it, once again, we come back to prayer, which is an openness, a willingness. It's an essential time to be where we can unlock the systems that we've set up, and it can unlock us from the fears and anxieties of where we know we want to be, where we know we want to be, and what we want to do, and how it can be. But somehow, we just don't do it. Similar to our New Year's resolutions. We know that they're there, they're very good, and all the things. But then when it comes time to take the steps to do the things that we need to do to make these resolutions happen, we're not going to take the time to do that because that's too difficult. That's too hard. I don't want to do that. Which then, why you have to keep coming back to that prayer, most high, glorious God, enlighten the darkness of my heart and give me right faith, certain hope, perfect charity, sense of knowledge. And so we always continually have to do those things in that. We're talking with Father John Schmeidler, and he is talking on taking courage to experience life in all its moments. Yes, and as I continue that thought process about going into the promised land and many of the boundaries and um, kind of like the predetermined and the limitations that we place and not being free to enter in. So the, the Israelites are one side in the desert looking into the promised land. And now they're setting up the boundaries and the limitations and they're predetermined the choices they're making by, in a sense, giving discouraging words to the people so that they don't even want to move beyond where they're at. You know, Moses never is able to enter into the promised land. He sees it from over here, and it's, they're going to come back to the same spot 40 years later. Remember after this? Now they have to wander in the desert for 40 years, and I always love it because it's God's fault. God says, because you didn't enter, now you're going to be out here for 40 years wandering in the desert. And then they blame God for making them going and all these things, and they grumble against God for making all these things happen when it was their choice to stay in the situations they were instead of making choices to move beyond into something else. And that we do that often in our own mm-hmm. own experience. How come I keep having the same experience? I want a different experience. I want a new way of life. I want to experience life fuller. This person seems to be happy with all these things. I want to be happy here. And the problem is 
we're not choosing ways of being that bring about that disposition of mind and heart to help us to find that happiness. And so that's where kind of these people are at when, um, or Moses and the Israelites, as they're looking in um, at this whole new, this whole new prospect of where they can be. And so, you know, when we're talking about be, um, take courage, be steadfast, remember it's, it's taking courage to, in a sense, making the changes we need to do to or even taking the steps to, to go where we need to be. Now I lost my, my, my definition of courage. Oh, here's a definition of courage, because this is, this is an important um, definition to help us to think about what courage might be and steadfastness. Courage is not the absence of fear or the absence of anxiety, worries, and concerns, but rather the judgment that something else is more important then this fear, then this anxiousness, then this is, so courage is looking not at what, okay, okay, here's all my fears, oh my goodness, it's looking beyond them to what new possibilities arise, and then being steadfast to move in a direction for that growth. So um, courage is a way of moving us beyond growth, and we'll also talk about some other definitions later on. But there is a um, scripture passage that I, I would like to think about even within all of this. And this is interesting because both of these scriptures come from Numbers. And the first one that I just read about them, here they are in chapter 13 looking at the promised land, wanting to go into the promised land, and then deciding we're not going into the promised land. That was in chapter 13. In chapter, so then they're wandering, the, wandering out in the desert. And remember, they chose to wander in the desert. It wasn't any other purpose. God didn't make them stay there in one sense, although they say God made us stay here. No. You know, any time within all of that 40 years, they could have walked back to that same spot and said, now is the time we're going across. But they never do. They just keep wandering and wandering and wandering. And it's not as though they're lost. It's this they can't, they just don't want to go anyplace else. And so here it is, Moses and the serpent. From Mount Hor, they set out by way of the Red Sea to bypass the land of Edom. Now, I didn't really look it up. It just only jumped out at me as I was reading this one time. To bypass, I don't know why they bypassed them. Maybe Edom was some fear or anxieties there, too. So we're not going to go to Edom. Who knows what that might be? But obviously, they made a choice around that. Um, but the people's patience was worn out by the journey. So the people complained against God and Moses. Why have you brought us up from Egypt to die in this wilderness? Isn't that wonderful? Why did you bring us up to die in this wilderness? No, you made a choice at one point back in Egypt to follow the Lord and to trust enough to go out into the desert where the, where the Lord's going to take you. And the Lord did powerful deeds in that moment when you made that choice. Remember, so they could have also, this choice was down in Egypt. They could have made a choice to stay there. And if you want to take even that whole story about their movement of leaving Egypt, that was not an easy decision because their security, their safety, they know what it is. And they're moving into a place that they don't even know what they're moving into. And, um, of course, the Egyptians had strong army. They, here they are walking out. This army's coming after them. So you've got all this history that they have even as they're out in the desert walking. And here they were before the promised land with the same God telling them, take this. 
So God took them and moved them out of Egypt into a whole new reality, which was the insecurities again and all the other things and, and an unknown. And it was hard. It was difficult because anytime we make changes, it's hard and difficult. And that's what ultimately they're going through. Mm-hmm. But God tries to make it a little easier and says, just go in. Just, you know, kind of jump in the pool and move it in there. So go into the promised land and this can stop. And they don't. And then they complain about God and say, why did you bring us to this place? Well, in one sense, God did. In this sense, he gave them the grace to make the choice to move forward into the promised land. Remember what um, the, the, de- the definition of courage was. It's not the absence of the fear. It's not all those things. It's seeing something and making a judgment that there's something more important in life that I want to live and I want to encounter, I want to experience, that I want to move into. And I'm going to take that courage and be steadfast to move in that direction. So they did that. They said, there's got to be something better than what we're having here, so let's do it. So they're out in the desert and they're complaining. And almost, you know, when we get in these complaining moments, this is where God's working on the heart once again to say, you got to get frustrated enough with all these things before you're going to realize to take the steps and have enough courage to take the step to make into the new promised land, which is not going to be another easy step. So sometimes we have to complain and get disgruntled about all these things is what's happening here before we can do that. Now, it continues on. So they complain, um, you brought us up to Egypt to die in this wilderness where there's no food or water. We are disgusted with this wretched food. So they're finally realizing <laughs> this is a terrible situation we're in. And then I love this again. So the Lord sent among them seraph serpents, which bit the people so that many of the Israelites died. What would be these serpents? One of the things when you think about those serpents that are happening, all those discouraging words that were started way back when they were sitting by the promised lands are beginning to take root within them and they're becoming discouraging and it's eating them from the inside out. And it's becoming like a cancer that they can't do it. And the serpents would be the fights that come out of that, the anger, the, you know, the disagreements. And so in a sense, it's like they're dying. So many of the Israelites died and it could be real serpents. But, you know, we create a lot of serpents in our own mind that kills the spirit and the hearts of other peoples among us. And there's a lot of bickering that goes on, and there's a lot of division that's beginning to happen. And so what happens is we're so focused on all of this stuff that it becomes a consumption. Remember, that becomes the boundaries and the limitations of the experiences we have in life. That becomes which determines how we're going to experience life. And then that's going to be, are we really free in that moment of choice? to choose something else? Or is all the predispositions, everything that came for it, already predetermining all this encounter and experience? We have death. Is it because God made this happen? Or is it because the choices we've now made are now the manifestation of the realities of what these choices are bringing about? And what all the choices we made back there, because we didn't go into the promised land, are now creating a big array of many problems for us here. And now we're stuck looking at them. And how does God get them out of this? Then the people come, came to, come to Moses and say, We have sinned in complaining against the Lord, and you pray to the Lord to take the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a seraph and mount it on a pole, and everyone who has been bitten will look at it and recover. Moses mounted a bronze serpent on a pole, and whenever the serpent bit someone, the person looked at the bronze serpent and recovered. 
You know, that's an important aspect, this idea of taking a serpent and lifting them. You know, so the very serpents that are biting them, sometimes what has to happen is we have to bring to the forefront what is the reality of why we're dying? What is the reality of why the things are serpents? So we lift up on a pole to allow us to lift beyond. So they're not looking down. They're not looking straight at somebody, the situation. They're looking above it. This reality, all these serpents, all the things that we're doing are causing this, this serpent. But if I can look beyond that serpent at something else beyond this, maybe I can start living a whole new reality. So instead of just focusing on looking down at my situation, looking you know, straight ahead at all the things that are happening, I lift my eyes above that to a new, deeper reality, and I begin to see that there's something else. I begin to look at the promised land again. So then the promised land begins to start creeping back in, and that's what begins to give them hope, trust, faith, that maybe these creatures, these things we've created, can change and grow into something else. And so if we want to think about it, if we look down, we can never see anything new. If we look straight ahead, we just see everything as it always has been and always is. If we look up, maybe we can see new possibilities. And so we have that wonderful scripture passage on there. We need to take a short break right now, but stay tuned to Divine Mercy Radio. Whether you're listening via radio, internet, smartphone app, or Amazon Echo, please know. We'll be right back with Father John Schmeidler talking about taking courage to experience life. We're back on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture. Taking courage to experience life. With Father John Schmeidler. Ken Billinger conducts the interview. And we're going to move back to Father John Schmeidler, who's talking about taking courage to experience life in all its moments. And I know you have more scripture to talk about, so I'm going to let you jump back in. Okay, thank you very much. Um, Once again, before I begin to do that, I'm going to say that prayer again, because one of the things, and I'm going to try to say it in a more prayerful way, to help us to really once again to realize any changes we make in life is going to come because of the grace of God and not because of our own way of being. Our own ways of thinking and our own ways of seeing life before I move into that will always take us in a way and in a manner of our own insecurities, our own shortcomings, our own failures. Only with God's grace do we do it without a beauty, goodness, and richness in, in, all, in all the essence of what it can be. And so we always have to say prayer of God being there and helping us to see, first off, to help us to recognize what kind of what the Israelites did in this past one, to recognize those um, uh, demons, or not demons, but what the serpents, what are those serpents that are acting within my life, and I have to really be aware of them. So I have to lift them up, look at them, analyze them, see how they're consuming my life, so that maybe I can begin to look at a new way of acting so that these serpents can in a sense be taken care of from the inside out and that's what grace does comes into the where the serpents are and brings healing grace so that it's not like we just eradicate them it's where the serpents now become our angels and our saints and our greatest self and so it's our weakness and shortcomings as paul would say becomes our greatest gifts and greatest strengths 
And so I'm going to say this prayer once more just to recognize, so to instill in us that all these changes and all the things that we're trying to do and to move into a new experience is only going to come because we're in deep prayer because prayer is the one that lifts us out of our own bindedness, our own limitations into the things. So the prayer is, Most High, Glorious God, enlighten the darkness of my heart. Give me, Lord, right faith, certain hope, perfect charity, sense and knowledge, so that I may carry out your true and holy command. And so with that prayer, I'm also going to read a scripture passage from um, John this is John 3, and this is referring back to the scripture passage we just heard um, from Numbers. So Jesus answers, and he's talking to Nicodemus, Amen, amen, I say to you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of flesh is flesh, what is born of spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it wills, and you can hear the sound it makes, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Well, I'm going to stop there. I'm going to continue on just to talk a little bit about that. When he talks about born flesh of flesh and spirit of spirit, it's kind of that aspect of, once again, our, our human person has um, encounters and experiences of life and they're bound by the um, thoughts and the experiences that we have, and that's flesh. And when I say it's flesh, the, we, the problem is it's also spirit. The spirit's still contained in that flesh too, but it's just incorrect flesh, incorrect thoughts, incorrect ways of doing it. And so, if um, but if you're born of the spirit, born of, in a sense, the new thoughts, the new ways of seeing life, the new way of encountering life. It blows where it blows, and we don't know where it comes from, but where, of course, it comes from is God himself, it's the Holy Spirit, stirring new ideas, new ways of within us. Um, and so that's where it's all ultimately coming from. And that has to happen to be born anew, because what he, Jesus says, you have to be born again. Born again, um, and of course Nicodemus is taking it born in, in the natural way, uh, but born again in the way we see life, and the way we encounter life, and the way um, life operates. And so this movement is happening similar to the wind that blows around us. Christ is always, and God is always bringing in new ideas there. And so everyone who is born of the Spirit, so it is it, with everyone who's born of the Spirit that we're going to know or come to that richness. And then Nicodemus answers or says to him, how can this happen? So here's how it happens. Jesus answered and said to him, you are a teacher of Israel and you do not understand this? Amen, amen, I say to you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But you people do not accept our testimony. Now, just kind of with that aspect of what we said, and I'm, I'm going to come back and continue that reading because I also want to stop it here. We speak of what we know. We testify to what we have seen. There's two meanings that can come from that. First off, what Jesus is ultimately saying, we, we know, like I know, and I testify to the truth because Jesus is the truth. So I speak of what I know, and I'm testifying to it, and you're not believing me. And it, what I'm saying is life, and you're not believing that. So you're stuck within your thoughts, and then nothing can be done. 
You can't be born anew. You can't move into the promised land. You can't go beyond it because you don't trust to move beyond that. But, you know, we also speak of what we know. Let's take it in the terms then of Nicodemus or such people as we do it. We speak of what we know. We testify to what we have seen. We can't speak of anything more than what we've encountered and experienced. All the boundaries, the limitations set up in our own mind. We can't speak beyond that in any other manner unless something else is put in there that helps us to see something different. So I don't know if you catch the two nuances. The one nuance is that Jesus really knows what the truth is. We only know what we know within the system that we're operating. And there's some truth in there, but a lot of falsities. And Jesus wants us to continue to grow through it. Remember, courage is growing Mm. into something different. And so we can only speak about what we know within this encounter. But maybe with grace, and we lift our eyes above, in a sense, to see what God is really talking about, what Christ is really talking about, then accepting what that might be and moving towards it we begin to grow into the deeper truth of knowledge and understanding of what that fully is. And so I think that's what it is. And so Jesus speaks of a deeper reality of life. And those who listen want to grow and want to move into this new reality. And that by accepting and believing what he's saying, they begin to move beyond the boundaries and the limitations of what they set. And so only the things that they've known and testified to becomes a whole new knowledge and a whole new testimony in their life because Christ has now lifted them above that. And that's what we're going to continue on here. If I, and so Jesus, can, or the scripture continues, if I tell you about earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? And so once again, if we're stuck in our earthly way of thinking, our old old way of thinking, and not thinking the heavenly way of new thinking, how are we going to ever believe any of these things? No one has gone up to heaven except the one who has come down from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. So just as, um, once again, those who will look down are not going to see anything anything new. Those who just look straight across are only going to see what they've already known. Those who lift themselves up to, to look above all of that begins to see new possibilities, the eternal life. And that's when we look up, we see the cross. And that's going to be a whole different, different reality now, which if we're going to come back to the promised land, Remember at the promised land, what happened? They were, they go over, they finally, we're looking up, we see the promised land, go in and reconnoiter the land and see what's really there. And they go in and they see all these possibilities. They see what it is. But then they also see the crosses, the hardships, the pain. We look at our resolutions. We look at all the things we want to do. And we say, we're going to do all these things. And then we look up and knowing all this stuff. And then we see the crosses, all the hardships, everything it takes to move beyond where we are to obtain the new promised land, to obtain the things. That's what the cross is. When we look up and see Jesus on the cross, we say, do I really want to follow this man? Because it means going to my own crucifixion. It means changing the disposition of my own heart and mind to come into a deep deeper reality that, yes, I want that deeper reality, but I don't know if I really want to take the steps that's going to lead me to a deeper reality and encounter and experience of life. But unless we look up and believe and trust and hope, and that's where it is, take courage, be steadfast to follow Jesus through the crosses, through the hardships, through the things into a new life that he wants to bring. 
not take courage and be steadfast in the realities of what I think is right, all the things I'm holding on to, all these things, follow the grace that God gives us to take new steps into something different. That's not easy, which is very different than taking steadfast and being courageous in what we, because you always hear these things, I know who I am and I know what I want and I've learned all these things and what I am is just perfectly perfect the way it is. I'm steadfast because I believed and I've had all these encounters and experiences. Well, the problem with that reality, it is grace continually moves us into um, the reality of, of the, um, Christ and that's not a static event. We don't have a static relationship with Christ, so Christ is continually changing us, calling us to something deeper, something new, a deeper experience of life. And so if we're going to take courage to experience life in all its moments, we have to continually follow the grace that God opens up to us, extend the boundaries, extend the limitations we place upon ourselves, upon our experiences, upon life itself. Re, in a sense, um, not be preconditioned by what this thing has taught us, but open ourselves up to see see beyond that and to trust to walk towards it even though it's going to be take great discipline and there's a cross and there's many things there so that whole aspect um, is there and then finally it says for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him might not perish but might have eternal life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world might be saved through him And Father, you've spoken about a system of thought and feeling from which each of us operates. Within this system of thought and feeling resides our insecurities, weaknesses, and fears. As you mentioned, your theme states that we're to take courage to experience life. Speak, if you would, specifically about what it means to take courage and even to be steadfast within our lives so that we experience life in all its moments. You know, when I was, take courage was when I started to think about this whole thing, steadfast came in because it just seems that I, and I don't know, maybe it must be from scripture, but I always, take courage, be steadfast was just a phrase that always entered in my mind. When I actually just go to, the, I like to go to Webster or some of the dictionaries just to see what they say and I, so just put it in a new form. What is, what is their definition after what I said and how does it fit into what I've been talking about? Courage. The ability to do something that frightens one is a definition. Strength in the face of pain or grief. Mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, and withstand danger, fear, and difficulty. Of course, that goes back with what we were talking about, you know, the courage to follow Christ, to follow into a new realm, to do those things which are difficult, to face obstacles that we don't necessarily want to face into or look at in order to become a new person, to become something greater than we are. Steadfast. Resolutely and dutifully firm, unwavering, firmly fixed in place, immovable, not subject to change. Well, that could, t- that could say, well, stay where you're at. Mm-hmm. Don't do anything. Steadfast. But it's steadfast to be resolved to move in the direction where courage is taking us and where that new idea is. And so you do have to be unmovable in it. Because you know your resolution is uh, for your new resolution is never going to come about unless you are resolved to do it. 
I'll never forget when I decided I was no longer going to eat desserts. And I know, you know, most people, you don't eat desserts, and I don't even miss them. But I remember the time when I used to eat a dessert every day. I had to have some type of sweet, some type of dessert, and I was not going to miss it. And then I would feel terrible and miserable. My body would just would ache from the, you know, the sugar and things. And mm-hmm. I just, I don't like this feeling. I want to change. Kind of like grumbling. I'm grumbling. I want, you gave me the, why do you keep giving me these desserts? I don't want these desserts. You know, it's your fault for giving them to me. No, it's my fault for taking them. And why not just say no? And I remember what I did was I stand firm. I just one day realized if I'm going to do this, I have to do it cold turkey. No more desserts. I woke up one day and say, I will not have a dessert today and I will not have a dessert tomorrow. And so for one year, I didn't have a dessert. I started it, and you know, there's after a week or two, you just, you just your mind starts thinking, "Oh, you really want a dessert?" And as soon as that thought came, no, I don't. This was the resolve, the firmness, the seven. No, I don't want that, because I had to think back. What was the experience? The grumbling, all those things, is lifting it all up once again. The serpent and saying, "This is why you don't want it." Mm. So that coming back to that call, lift up the serpent to see what you don't want. I don't want that. And if I don't want that experience and feeling, I need to do this. So that's the steadfastness. And the courage to do it was, you know, each day I had to say no to it. They were there. They were being offered. And the courage to simply say, no, I'm not doing it. And my mind and people wanting to give it to you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's that that's that phrase or that aspect. And once again, in one sense, you know, I talked about the boundaries and the limitations and all the things that we put when we're moving into the new life. It's not that we're not setting boundaries and limitations. I set boundaries and limitations. I'm setting bound new boundaries. I'm setting new boundaries, new limitations on what I'm doing. I'm saying no every time I see a dessert, that's a boundary and a limitation, but it's bringing new life. Now what happens, okay, let's jump forward after that first year and two years, you know, and every time I'm saying no to desserts. Then I would go to people and they would say, do you want a dessert? You know, we would really like it if you eat a dessert. Yes, I'll take that dessert because it makes them feel good. And in some sense, I like the dessert. But now I'm not bound and limited by having to have that dessert, which at one point I was. Now I'm freely choosing to have a dessert. The boundaries and limitations I put up by saying no all those times, now the boundaries are coming. You can say yes at times. You can do things. So I'm changing again, and I'm growing into something new. To now to appreciate that in a new manner and in a new way. So, so when we're thinking about this whole aspect of um, take courage to experience life in all its moments, it's not to say that our boundaries and limitations and things that we set up are bad or good or they're some like ambivalent or it's just that is this the best possibility of a system I've set up? Is there something more I should be called to? And where is God's grace operating aided in that process so that I know the fullness and the richness of everything that He's that He's doing for me? And that's kind of where that whole process is operating out of. 
Well, we've got just a few minutes left, and that's just great stuff. And I, I can relate on the dessert thing. I'm one of those guys that if I eat, I have to have something sweet after that's I eat. Right. And and it, it's true. I mean, it's a matter of that, just like you said, having the courage to, to make that shift. And I think this has been some great, uh, great information this morning that you shared with us. But as we wind down here, maybe uh, give us your thoughts on taking courage and being steadfast. Obviously, you talked a lot about it. And any other ideas, I should say, that you'd like to convey about uh, this particular topic with our listeners? You know, one of the things, the last thing just to talk about this is God wants us, and there's a scripture passage from Isaiah about the holy mountain. On God's mountain, the host, he's going to provide all the rich foods, all the choice wines. God wants to provide us with this rich experience. He wants us, in a sense, Jesus says, the kingdom of God. He wants us to enter into the kingdom of God, and he wants to help us. And we who are blind and lame and, and in a sense, caught with all, all these systems and, you know, are afraid to really break out of them. He comes and he nourishes us and supports us in Matthew. So the last thing I'll read here is um, it's kind of where he's healing all the sick and all the others. And then Jesus sees, sees that the crowd is weak. And he says, my heart is moved with pity for the crowd, for they have been with me for three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry for fear they may collapse. And the disciples then say in their own insecurities, where can we get enough in this deserted places? So even in all systems we set up, we're always setting it up out of fear and this anxiety that I can't provide for this. Oh, my goodness. But with God's grace, with God being in that thing, there's more than enough. And it's always going to be there. And so we can always walk in the certainty. So the last thought would be to take courage to experience. Never be afraid of that where we look at life in such a way and we think we can't do something. We can't move beyond it. We can't change. Oh, my goodness. This Look how weak I am. It's not us who's going to be doing it. It wasn't the Israelites who got themselves to the promised land. God did. Hmm. God's grace, God's love. So we look to that all the times. And God desires to give it to us as much as we desire to have it, him give it to us. And we have to operate together and trust with him to move into the promised land, to move into the new experiences. And so that's what we're going to ask. That's what we ask God for. And that's what we pray for. And that's why we pray that God may move us into that new promised land, into those new experiences, so that we have a new moment of life, a new encounter of life, filled with the fullness of life, which only God can bring. Well, as always, Father, you bring it every time. And that was fantastic. I loved it. Really, well, thank really you very much. It. It's always and a pleasure being with you. It, it's it's some definite food for thought for me and some things I'm, I've got to work on myself. So mm-hmm. appreciate okay. appreciate your time. Thank you very much. All right, thanks for blessings. coming in. Thank you for listening to Divine Mercy Radio. Whether you're listening via radio, internet, smartphone app, or Amazon Echo, we appreciate you tuning in to this week's Double-Edged Sword, Cutting to the Heart of a Deceptive Culture. If you would like to comment on today's show or have an idea for a future show, please go to dvmercy.com and click on the Double-Edged Sword icon. And folks, Divine Mercy Radio is needing to raise funding to purchase equipment for a station in Salina. If you can help with this project, please go to dvmercy.com and click on donate. For a $250 donation, you will receive a stylish Morning Glory mug. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio 88.1 KVDM Hayes, 88.1 KRTT Great Bend, and soon 101.7 KJDM Salina. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts.